This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and uh, in new episodes of the We Spin Recipes podcast and uh, I mean I, I'm I'm so excited to say that but I've got Jack Conti as a guest on this show and uh, it's a real pleasure to have you here Jack. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, happy to talk with you. Uh, yeah, so I, I really don't uh, want to uh, ask you to uh, provide the whole background <laughs> and I know that you are asked about your past quite a lot, so, but can you just uh, uh, provide a very quick overview of uh, who you are and your projects? Yeah, sure. Uh, so um, I'm half of a band called Pomplamoose um, and we put out uh, songs on on YouTube and iTunes and um, and we've kind of over the last uh, five years or so um, built a following and, and made music and we make our uh, we make our living as musicians online um, and uh, and let's see more recently I started um, a company called Patreon um, a little over a year ago about 14 months ago and um, we help creators folks like uh, like myself and and uh, millions of other creators online who are putting out you know uh, digital media regularly uh, onto the internet we, we help them make a living doing that right now the only way to do that really is running ads you know around or against or in front of your your work and uh, and patreon you know offers basically a, a way for fans to to pledge a monthly uh, a monthly amount to their favorite creators. It's like an ongoing subscription pledge to a creator. Yeah, so you don't lock your content. It's still available to everyone, but if people want to support you, they can do this through uh, Patreon, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's exciting, and I've been using it for quite a while for our Stand Above the Noise series. So I think pretty much after it was launched and I got really excited by the concept because I was thinking about doing... Um, a documentary initially and I was thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign and then uh, I ended up launching a YouTube video series and the crowdfunding campaign kind of wouldn't work and then I discovered Patreon that was launched just around that time and it felt like oh it's just exactly what what I need so yeah uh, it's it's a great project and we'll get back to this uh, shortly and um, there are a couple of things that um, I um, wanted to ask uh, you about and especially since um, uh, the Whisping podcast is for independent artists who most of whom are just starting out and they are looking for solutions to build brands online and to market their art and their music and uh, uh, their projects and um, uh, I guess there is quite a lot of people who come to you and follow you to also not not only because of what you create, but to figure out how you made it and to get some insights uh, on how to succeed in, uh, well, in entertainment or music business in particular. And uh, there is this interesting thing, and uh, I, I first read uh, this kind of comments from um, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, who said that he doesn't have a single idea how to make it in music industry, it's worked for him, but it doesn't mean that repeating the same thing would work for someone else. And I just read or heard the same kind of thing or similar thing uh, from you, so... Uh, 
is it possible to replicate your success somehow? No, no, it's no way. I mean, I, I can't even replicate it for myself. Um, you know, what, what Pomplamoose did and when we did it, you know, was just one of those weird things. Um, a lot of people do the YouTube thing now and it works and a lot of people do it and it doesn't work. And um, all I know is that there's a way to make it work if you try enough things. And, and you know, if you, if you work really hard and you get better at songwriting and you, um, and you, and you figure out how to market your stuff and um, you can do a lot with very little resources. You know, Pomplamoose didn't have any contacts in the music industry. We didn't know a single person. We didn't have, you know, money. We didn't have people who could pull strings. We didn't have anyone to get us in front of someone else or anything like that. No, no contacts. Um, you know, and, and we just found, you know, our niche on YouTube and that worked really well. Um, but, but in terms of like just doing what Pomplamoose did at this point in time, there's so many people on YouTube trying to do that. Um, I find it very difficult to, to do that. And, and even when I've tried, um, you know, it's been very difficult for me. More, more recently, I've had some success with YouTube on my solo channel. Um, but, but that, you know, I don't, I also don't think that's replicable either. <laughs> so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so yeah, I guess it, I, I guess it just, you know, it comes down to doing what works well for you at the time. And that's always going to be different because especially now technology is changing so quickly that you just kind of, you know, you need to just be up, <laughs> up on what exactly is happening. Like for instance, right now there's a lot of people who are, you know, kicking ass on Vine. Um, there's mm -hmm. this band called us, the duo on Vine and, uh, you know, they have like over um, a million loops for each one of their vines that they put up. Um, and they're going on tour now and they're playing shows in, you know, Chicago and New York. And, um, you know, these big, they're playing big shows. It looks like there's, I don't know, 500 people at these shows. Um, and, they're, and they're doing it through Vine, you know. So who knew? <laughs> you know, you just kind of got to keep up to date and, and do your best and try a million things until something works. Yeah, that's uh, a cool advice indeed. And uh, well, basically, you need to keep uh, track of trends a little bit, probably, and in the tech world. Uh, so uh, it it sounds and it feels like a musician should really be into um, at, keep track of uh, the uh, services and startups and social networks that uh, pop up and uh, maybe jumping on some of them when uh, they are only becoming uh, popular. Is there, I mean, it's it's pretty difficult to figure out what will uh, become the next big thing in the tech world because a lot of startups just uh, fail. Would you have any kind of advice to people who want to try something, um, something interesting, maybe where to discover interesting places and how to approach uh, the new social networks, for example? Um, yeah, so, uh, I would say read a lot and, um, you know, keep up to date with, yeah, I read Mashable every morning. Um, that's a really good blog. Uh, they just, they're like very up to date on any new weird, cool tech things that come out. You know, the day that Vine launched, they had, you know, a lot of articles about Vine. And then, you know, when Instagram launches video, they tell you about Instagram and then it just... They're, they're not always right about what's going to be big and what's not going to be big, and they don't even sometimes predict. But 
they at least tell you what's up and coming and then you can kind of decide for yourself what you like and what you don't. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I rely on Mashable to sort of keep me up to date on any new tech. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably my go-to, my go-to blog, at least for like new trends and stuff like that. And then also I just subscribe to people on YouTube. I have over 125 subscriptions on YouTube and YouTubers, you know, the YouTube crowd is like a, a, super early adopter crowd they're all like super up to date on new tools and things for creators and um and i've found that to be very helpful just just watching that community of people uh who who are really thoughtful about you know what new tech they're getting into Mm -hmm. yeah uh it's cool because i yeah i fully agree about mashable i read it every morning as well uh they kind of have a very a good approach to presenting information so that's uh that's a cool thing yeah and the, the your advice here may be uh, outdated by the time this podcast is out but is there anything specific any specific app that you're excited about just a startup uh coming out or came that came out recently um, let's see, new startups. Um, uh, well, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm always trying new things. So, so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you some of the new apps I've downloaded and some of the new, uh, the new things I'm trying out. Um, I guess one of them is this group is this app called Facebook mentions. It's by Facebook. Um, and it's like a new way of connecting with fans, um, seeing your, uh, seeing like who's mentioned you on Facebook by name, um, if you're a band or a brand or a musician or an athlete or whatever it is, um, you can kind of keep more up to date on on who's talking about you and jump into conversations. Um, so I'm doing that. Uh, it also has like a chat room thing, like a, a live Q and A feature, which I'm going to be trying out because I'm interested in uh, in doing like Q and A sessions with fans. Um, I'm recently using a, an app called Vine Uploader. It allows you to upload vines um, that you make and just upload to your own camera roll instead of using the Vine app itself. Um, I'm using YouTube's new app called Creator Studio, which allows you to like monitor and, um, and just be more up-to-date on your YouTube videos. That came out, I think, a week or two ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, and then some other like non-music, non-creator things. Um, I'm using an app <laughs> a lot called Spoon Rocket. They deliver meals. Um, it's like eight bucks for a meal. It's pretty nice. awesome. And they deliver it within like 10 minutes. It's pretty great. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, th those are my new favorite. Those are my new favorites. Well, actually, I don't know if they're my favorites. I don't, I don't, I haven't really taken facebook mentions for a test drive yet so I'm, I'm still i'm still working on that and facebook mentions is available only for verified accounts i think isn't it yeah yeah that's right yeah these are a couple interesting things here um uh, let me uh, switch to a bit different topic if you don't mind uh it's totally random and uh it's just something that happened like I don't know, a few days ago at the time this uh, conversation is being recorded. And uh, do you have any comments uh, on the news about uh, uh, Ultra, the EDM label, soon, Michelle Fan, the YouTuber? Have you heard of this story yet? No, I haven't heard of it. So, um, even shots, and uh, I hope that I will be right in describing these, 
uh, Ultra is uh, uh, a big, uh, used to be indie label, yeah, but right now it's owned by Sony. And uh, it's even uh, a very famous uh, makeup YouTube star. Uh, Michelle Fan, I think. Yeah, yes, I'm very familiar with Michelle uh, Fan. Yeah. Yeah, Fan. Yeah. yeah, and uh, she she's been using uh, tracks of uh, some of the uh, artists uh, on the label, like Cascades, and basically they are suing her, and they want, if I'm not mistaken, all the profit that she's made on these videos, 100% of the profits, even though they were just uh, snippets of the tracks used, and obviously they technically do have the right, but it feels kind of <laughs> weird. I don't want to comment on this right now, but what do you uh, think about the situation? Yeah, so, um, you know, right now, uh, YouTube has built software that allows um, publishers to claim videos as their own. So they can go uh, into a content management system um, that YouTube has built. Um, and they can claim a video and say, this video contains my copyrighted material. Um, and then they can run ads over that video and collect all of the ad revenue from those videos. Um, that's, there's a whole process that allows for that right now. Um, and it's a very easy, simple process for a publisher and a rights holder to do if they mm -hmm. have a content management system account on YouTube. Um, there is a way for the content creator to um, dispute the claim, um, but it's it's more difficult and uh, and generally I think YouTube leans in favor of publishers. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it's hard for me to back up that claim, except as a user, I can tell you how difficult it's been when one of my videos gets flagged or taken down or claimed by a third party. Um, there's really very little recourse. Um, and at the moment, um, uh, unfortunately, the, the user isn't allowed to collect any percentage of the ad revenue from those videos. Um, if, even if most of the video is non-copyrighted and there's a little snippet of copyrighted material, it's still, YouTube still defaults to mm -hmm. the publisher collecting 100% of the ad revenue. Mm -hmm. um, that's because publishers are generally more litigious than individual users and have the resources um, and capabilities to, you know, to sue uh, an entity like YouTube, you know, so, so, um, so YouTube is basically preventing lawsuits. And, and in terms of Michelle Flan and that specific deal, I, I don't, I don't know that much about it, but I know that, you know, right now, if they want to, they can go into YouTube CMS and they can claim her videos and collect 100% of the revenue and there's yeah, really nothing yeah. anyone well, can do to stop her. Also, I think here is, uh, yes, here, here are the specifics of uh, the cases that they want everything that she owns uh, before. So, uh, so they want a retroactive Yeah, yeah. So it looks like that, yeah. And um, uh, thank you for these insights because it's very useful um, information. I find that a lot of artists don't really understand how YouTube works and how these things uh, work exactly and uh, I think it's yeah 
important to understand the uh, basic type of licenses and uh, at least realize that if you use someone else's song that there is uh, a sync license in the place and so on. So even if you can do these at many times, like you need to know if you are doing something that ideally would uh, require a separate license. So you mentioned right. that you uh, went through some issues with YouTube and uh, rather copyright owners in the past. Yes, yes. Uh, um, when we released our um, our Pharrell mashup with mm-hmm. uh, the, it's a mashup of um, of a few Pharrell songs, um, including some Daft Punk songs. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was flagged by uh, Daft Punk's publishers, uh, and they took down our video uh, just right after it hit about a million hits. The video got taken down. Um, and then we scrambled for about three weeks to try and get it back online. And eventually we did, but we had to contact their, you know, Daft Punk's management and, uh, work with the publishers, publishers, uh, individually. And then mm-hmm. eventually, uh, they put it back online, but it was, you know, it was, um, literally over 50 emails that we had to send back and forth. And it was just tons of time and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and in the end, Pharrell himself had tweeted the video and tweeted the song and, and seemed to enjoy it. And yet it was taken down. Um, so that was just a kind of a infuriating experience, but, um, but you know, it's, it's just how it's how it is. And YouTube is a free service and we use it, you know, and, and not only is it free, we get paid, right? We, they give us a little bit of money. So Yeah, and it didn't sound like you complained about YouTube because it's, uh, I can imagine, one of the main income streams for you and the promotional channel, and uh, it's basically the re- importance. And uh, uh, yeah, and going back to uh, Patreon, uh, I think that uh, most of the uh, content creators on the platform are YouTubers. Is it right? Um It's a little, it's about 50%, a little under 50% are uh, YouTube video makers. Uh-huh, and then the other, the other 50% is made up of podcasters, writers, and web comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm sure that you've been doing pretty well there, but can you mention some, uh, some beautiful numbers maybe about the, uh, how many people are on the platform or how, how, how much money? some of uh, them raised even like yourself you've got uh sure. really yeah can you mention that sure so um let's see we've got uh we've sent a little over two and a half million dollars to creators so far um in our in our life as a company our first year um we processed just about a million dollars so the the other million and a half has really come in the last couple months um which has been really exciting um And uh, and in terms of the number of people, uh, I think we have a little over 90,000 uh, unique um, patrons right now and uh, over 100,000 pledges. 20% of our, um, of our patrons are patrons of more than one creator and 30% of our creators are patrons themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so we have kind of this... What we'd like to do, obviously, is increase those percentages, but already we're starting to see a little bit of a network kind of thing going where, you know, creators are becoming patrons of each other and, um, uh, and of other creators. So that's pretty exciting. That's exciting indeed. And I know that you've been working on uh, improving the um, uh, discoverability 
compatibility features. It's very difficult to pronounce for me, sorry. Uh, yeah, so basically ways to uh, find uh, other content creators if you're on the platform uh, already. Is it right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's now, that should be fixed now. So if you go to patreon.com and you click discover, um, you'll see the, a whole new discovery uh, section where you can you can browse by category, you know, music, writing, comics, drawing, painting, etc. Um, and you can look through creators or you can look through creations. Um, and yeah, we're showing, I mean, it's now, it's now, you know, it's everybody. Um, and you can also sort by recently active. So you can see, uh, you know, people who are like doing well. And, and then you can also sort by uh, just most recent. So you can see just everyone who's posting stuff on Patreon. So yeah, this discoverability has been, uh, you know, I, I think just uh, improved by leaps and bounds in our in our latest launch. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, can you uh, list a few things that you recommend every um, uh, content creator that wants to use Patreon to, to follow? I know you've got like, this great video. I watched it obviously when I signed up. And I followed the <clears throat> uh, the tips, but um, uh, maybe you can mention some of the key things, like the importance of uh, video introduction and presenting and describing your project. Or do you think it, maybe you've noticed after a other year of uh, the project's existence that it's more on it, it it depends on the existing audience more, and I mean people uh, come to. Patreon uh, who already know what uh, the person is creating and uh, the presentation of the idea is not as important as you expected it to be when you launched Patreon? Yeah, so um, the presentation is super important. I think, um, you know, explaining to your fans what you want to do and why um, and what your vision is and all that is super, super important. Um, so, you know, we, we spend a lot of time with, with creators, um, helping them like refine their videos and, and write their about sections and pick their rewards. That's like super important to us. Um, and we think it, it definitely helps like, you know, uh, increase, you know, conversion rates from like a fan to a patron, you know, so that's, that's all really important. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now, I think, Patreon, and it's start. It's starting to kind of shift into discovery, but but right now, Patreon is really um, more of a place for people uh, who who have an existing audience. Um, they will find more success than people who don't have an existing audience. So, you know, a lot of people I think worry about monetization too soon in the game. Once you've kind of done some audience building, um, then I think you'll have like great success on Patreon, but the audience building is really the first step. And there are a lot of great tools for audience building, you know, Vine and YouTube and, and all those sorts of sites, um, SoundCloud. So, so folks who have an audience on those sites and then come over to YouTube, uh, sorry, and then come over to, to Patreon, um, you know, they, they tend to, to do better. Obviously what we'd like to do is, is have Patreon be a place where people can build an audience too. And, and that's what we're starting to see a little of, which is super exciting, but it's still not as strong as, you know, uh, as some other places where you can build an audience, you know, say YouTube or, or SoundCloud or something. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I just remembered absolutely randomly the, the service called Noise Trades, and uh, it's a different thing, but uh, they're giving Halloween uh, to give uh, music away for free in exchange of email address, and uh, yeah, so they have been working pretty hard on uh, making it a place where you can discover new music, which is an extra bonus for people kind of signing up uh, to the platform. I, I, I'm absolutely sure, like, I, I can see the pace and the how how quickly you uh, develop the platform and how well it is being developed. So I'm sure that it uh, will happen where uh, like people will be just signing up and uh, if they have something interesting, like the community will be discovering them right on Patreon. So that's, that's an exciting stuff. Something else that I wanted to cover on this conversation, if you don't mind, is the uh, thing that excites me quite a lot uh, because, uh, uh, well, Wispin, for example, is mainly... Uh, targeted at electronic musicians and I know uh, that you got really into electronic dance music lately and uh, maybe you can uh, talk a little bit on uh, on what you think on the uh, on electronic music yeah um, I, I love electronic music I'm I'm super excited about it uh, I guess uh, I, I, ha I mean I, I could sort of talk for hours <laughs> in general about it um, I think more recently I've been enjoying combining acoustic instruments and electronic instruments and just trying to make new timbres. I think more than electronic music, because um, I kind of feel like I've always been making electronic music um, in that, you know, I'm, I'm using computers and I'm sampling things and, you know, I'm, I'm lining things up on a grid and, and doing a lot of uh, digital, uh, you know, um, effects and, and signal processing and, um, so in that sense, I've kind of, I've been doing electronic music my whole life. Um, but I think that the, you know, the, the genre, the sort of the uh, style of electronic music that's been coming out recently, um, I think is especially exciting because there are just so many new sounds and new timbres. People are exploring, um, like the full capabilities of, of, uh, uh, you know, synthesizers and, and building new sounds with synthesizers. I think the most exciting thing about electronic music right now is the, the, uh, the sound design, the, um, mm -hmm. the extent to which producers are, are going to, uh, to build new sounds. Um, that said, I, you know, I think it's kind of like anything else. Electronic music is kind of like folk music. It's kind of like pop music. It's kind of like jazz. It's kind of like anything else in that a lot of it is just not very good <laughs> and you know or or, or not, I don't want to say not very good a lot of it is uh is not to my taste you know I'm sure it's good a lot of people love it but it's not necessarily what gets me going you know and there's this there's a small percentage of it I think that's just really mind-blowing and amazing and uh and um so yeah so I I guess I guess I I really like uh the stuff that I like um um, yeah. you know, is, uh, there's a group called Koan Sound. They're on Skrillex's label called Ausla. Um, I think they're amazing. Their new EP is just, uh, it's the most innovative sound design I've heard in electronic music in, in a long time. Um, and then, uh, I really like, I love Skrillex's new record. I think Recess is awesome. Um, and, uh, I really like, a a, a guy called Kill the Noise. Um, mm -hmm. He has just a bunch of EPs and albums that I think are great. Um, and then uh, I really like a, a group called Made in Heights. 
Um, they're a young duo and they produce sort of ambient down-tempo um, like halftime music, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like, uh, I think I like a lot of it. It was just mostly it's the kind of the lasery radio stuff recently that's been, that's, that started to sound the same, you know, and it doesn't feel innovative anymore. And so that's, that's, that's kind of a bummer, but you know, that's going to happen with anything, uh, with any new genre or any, any new group. There's, there's always going to be some stuff that's less innovative than, than the, yeah. than the real people who's kind of started it and, you know, and are, yeah. and are, are working hard on changing it, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah, I, I didn't intentionally didn't mention any genres because electronic music is to me saying electronic music is like saying like instrumental music or vocal music it's it's very broad and there is there is a lot of genres and you're absolutely right that right now due to this uh, boom especially in the US of uh, electronic dance music is EDM uh, and progressive house and dubstep and all the different subgenres yeah a lot of uh, uh, similar stuff is uh, being put out and uh, you are a lot about you are about innovation and uh, discovering something new so I'm really excited to see or uh, to see what you come up with next in the newest future but uh, just to finish this conversation and um, about the topic of electronic music um, there are some specifics compared to uh, being a band uh, for example so for you you've been uh, in a uh, basically in a duo, in a band with, consisting of just two people right now you are uh, doing a lot of uh, with, with your solo project and uh, for uh, for bigger bands it's been uh, different in terms of how you tour how you organize the whole uh, process and it's like a small team basically and so on right now the uh, producers the electronic music producers they are usually just single artists they, uh, they can uh, tour with DJ sets or live sets and they can produce in their bedroom and doing it alone. Basically, uh, can you mention a couple uh, pros and cons of being um, a, an artist, just a solo project? Because this is what electronic music producers and DJs are in most of the cases. So you've got a great and uh, rich experience of being a solo artist. And can you compare uh, being in such a project to being in a band? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, doing a solo thing is, um, I, I found, is very, uh, is very like fulfilling. Um, I kind of need that outlet for myself to, uh, to like feel like I'm really expressing myself as an artist. Um, which sounds really cliche and silly, but it's true. I mean, I need, I need an outlet for me to just say exactly what it is that I'm thinking and feeling, and, um, and my solo work is a good venue for that. Um, being in a band is great because um, it allows me to just not give a fuck about what I'm thinking and feeling and allows me to just make something that's fun, which I really enjoy doing. I love just making fun things that aren't trying to be deep or, or expressive or artistic or whatever. I'm just trying to be fun. I just want to have fun with my girlfriend. And being in a band, you know, allows me to have this thing outside of myself where there's no pressure um, to, like, to be uh, anything other than just exactly what it is. Um, 
And, and so for me, those are, those are the, the, the two outlets and I kind of need them both. I, both of them need to be happening. And if they're not, then I don't really feel whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, uh, so yeah, I guess the, the downside about being in a, being in a band, especially if it's a big band is, you know, if it's five people, well then you have to make five times as much money to make a living. <laughs> and that's like, that's just so hard. I don't know how bands with five people function. Um, I don't know how that's even possible. It's almost impossible with two people. Um, and if you have like five people, I just, you have to make hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to make, to make a living as a five piece band. Um, so, uh, so that's the, the money is the one downside, I guess. Um, there are other downsides to a band, which is that you were relying on more people, you know? Um, but the upside of that is that, uh, you know, they can add like Natalie, when I work with Natalie, she just adds things to Pomplamoose tracks that I would never think of. And I'm so inspired by them. And I think they're so much better than anything I would ever make. And, uh, and so that feels really good to be able to make something that feels like it's outside of yourself to feel, to make something that, feels better than anything you could make um Mm -hmm. and that that collaboration is you know priceless um so i i mean the bottom line though is i enjoy both and and i feel like i need to i need to have both in order to feel really good got it yeah it makes perfect sense and uh uh interesting although if you are solo artist i think you still need a team you still need uh to have someone or you may want to have someone who will support you, even if creatively you are just one person. Uh, when you when you work on your solo projects, uh, do you have a lot of people who help you out with uh, I don't know setting up your videos, maybe? Uh, no, no, I I do it pretty much entirely myself. Um, and the business yeah. sides? Uh, it's entirely myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I have a lawyer who you know, whenever I get a contract or something, he'll look over contracts. Um, but I don't have a manager. Um, and, uh, I don't have a label or, you know, anything like that. Um, so uh, now on the pedals video, which was the video that came out, you know, last year, it was a music video for, for a a song that I, that I did called pedals. Um, that I did, I worked on the pre-production basically by myself for about two and a half months, three months. And then um, for the three days of shooting, we had, you know, I, I had a team come in and, and help with that. I had a wonderful cinematographer named Jeff Orlowski. He's a cinematographer and director. Um, and then he brought some folks with him. And then I had just a bunch of friends and people come over and, and help out. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that was probably the first time since a video. Well, no, I mean, th- there have been like little bits here and there. But, yeah, mostly I'm... Uh, Mostly, I'm doing it myself. Let me let me make sure. I, I want to just look at my videos and see how many of them I'm actually working on myself because that's actually a really good question. So my Avicii "Wake Me Up" remix was entirely yeah. myself. Launch myself. Daft Punk doing it right remix entirely myself. Piddle, uh, Pedals was the collaboration. The Daft Punk Skrillex was entirely me. Thrift Shop was entirely me. Although I got help from a uh, from a robotics maker who helped me program and build this board that I used to actually play a launch pad. Um, and then that whole album, uh, VS4, which is, was about 10 videos um, before I started doing electronic music, all of those were um, entirely me. I hired some 
string players, some amazing string players, Anton Patzner and Louis Patzner, and um, a few horn players too, who were on the on the record. But I made the videos myself and produced the music myself. Yeah, I mean, mo mostly, yeah, if, mostly it's 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 a solo endeavor. Amazing, yeah. I mean, it's just I don't have much to comment here. Also, like, and I promise this would be uh, one of the last questions of this conversation. With Patreon, I guess you need to, uh, you had to discover something else because there, uh, you definitely uh, would need a team, as I imagine, to build this thing. And I guess you are growing. How, uh, if you don't mind asking, how many people are working on Patreon right now? Uh, the team is fourteen uh, people. We're fourteen people. And uh, all located in the states, in uh, like in in a one office. We're we're in an office in San Francisco, in uh, in uh, a district called Soma, south of Market. And uh, yeah, we got a an office here. Um, you know, just uh, with fourteen uh, people, and it's it's kind of a big office. It's a little bigger than the team is now, but we're hoping that we grow into it. Nice, got it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's a totally different conversation. Uh, I, I really would love to hear some insights on how you uh, organize your uh, your time and and uh, because the uh, all the things related to time management, especially for uh, I mean for for someone who who does lots of creative projects and runs a, 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 a tech company, I can imagine there is just a lot of things to do. But let's uh, guess leave it for another conversation. It was really insightful and uh, yeah. So uh, there is uh, a bunch of uh, electronic music producers and just musicians and bands and some music industry representatives, but mainly musicians listening to these uh, podcasts. Do you have any kinds of uh, shots? quick advice, even if it sounds a bit cliche, it doesn't really matter, but something to encourage them to um, do what they do and succeed? Yeah, um, don't, don't forget what it comes down to, which is just making beautiful things. Just make lots of beautiful things, that's it. And, and pretty much as, as like every time I come back to that, I, I, it feels like another epiphany. But I've had so many layers of epiphanies where it's like, oh, I gotta market and do business and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, fuck it. Like, it just all comes down to just make beautiful things. That's it. That's all you have to do. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. It was real a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Take care. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We